You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Well, will you turn with me to the book of Colossians? We're going to start with Colossians chapter 2, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Two little verses, but we have a lot to talk about tonight. I'm going to be teaching more than preaching, so don't shut me out. Don't get bored with me, but I believe we have things that we can talk about that Oftentimes, we wonder about, but we, there really is very few that takes the time that, to actually sit down and teach different things. And you are fortunate and blessed that you are in a church that they, we do teach and we do sit down and we don't mind and to have a service to where we're just not looking for a shout, but we're looking to edify and to build the body because this is where we gain or not or some knowledge and we go out into the world. Has everybody found Colossians? Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. The Apostle Paul would write in one of his epistles, Beware. And I want you to look at that word beware. Because this word beware is actually putting this responsibility on you as an individual. It's putting it on me as an individual. But it says, Beware, at least any man spool you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the wor world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I want to read that verse 9 one more time. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I want to teach tonight just a simple thought on the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Because as a church, as a fraction of the church of Christ, I mean, we just make up a very small majority or segment of the church of Christ. But as a part of the church of Christ, are we dwelling in the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And what does that mean? What does holiness mean? I'm going to try to teach and bring all this together tonight, and I know I can't do it completely in one night, but we're going to see where we get. So if you will, pray with me. Lord Father God, God, we love you and we thank you, God. God, for you are God and for you are have been faithful and always will be faithful, God. And I'm asking you, God, that you will do something that I cannot do. And that is that you will anoint us or anoint me to be able to teach this word. That you will open the ears and the hearts of your people, God. And that we will be able to bring this forth, God. And that we may be able to apply it to our lives, God. God, and I pray in the name of Jesus, that you will just continue to move. Amen. Amen. If I stutter around a little bit tonight, you've got to, I've got to apologize. And, because this is a subject that I've been thinking about for quite some time now and trying to piece it all together. And when you think about a certain topic or a certain thing that it has to do with the body of Christ. Oftentimes you get so many thoughts and so many scriptures entangled in your mind, it actually gets kind of difficult to progress through your thought pattern to make it make sense to other people. So as I'm teaching, if I begin to teach and it's just over your head, 
I apologize. I'm going to try to make it simple because if you cannot understand it, if we do not understand what's being taught, we're really not doing anybody any good. So I want to start off like this. In the book of Colossians, Paul is dealing here with, he's telling the people that have been set underneath teaching of his and of there in Colossae. He was, they were being taught the message, but as always, as we see, is when a church was taught, there would be people come in and bring in ideas and things from the world. The Judaizers would come in, the Gnostics would come in, and all these different people would come in right behind Paul and begin to try to put things within the body, within the church that was not quite true. And Paul is telling them, beware that you do not fall for philosophy, for enticing words of man's wisdom, that you may not be deceived by just fancy speaking. Oftentimes I wonder how many times as a Christian have I allowed fancy speaking to infiltrate my mind and to infiltrate what I believed was right and what was the word of God. Because when we truly look at it, we have a vast majority of beliefs within the church of God. We have people that believe, and I'm going to have a little demonstration here in a little bit, but we have people that believe they're so far into grace that they don't even really preach holiness. And then we have different segments that preach holiness, and within that holiness movement, They really don't even preach grace. So where does the message of the cross fit in? Where do we as Christians learn what to believe? Have you looked or have we, there's that pronoun, I'll get better at it. Have we looked for ourselves or are we taking people's preachers, pastors, teachers, words for it? Are we truly looking to see what is right and what is wrong? Because if I was to ask you tonight, what is holiness? Because it is scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 tells us, it tells us, if she'll pull it up there, it tells us, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. But when we look at that, a lot of times it seems like when it says, for I am holy, we like to use it as, you be holy because I am holy. Not God talking, but ourselves. Because if you dress like me, if you talk like me, if you don't mess up like I don't mess up, then you're holy like I'm holy. But is that really what God, the holiness God's looking for? Because... Paul would even sit back and say, Oh, the wretched man that I am. Scripture says, The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who should know it? You see, we have all these things telling us how unholy we really are. And they were written by people that loved God. But then we have 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. And it says, All things are lawful to me. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 
So we use this to say, all things are all right. As long as I'm not brought underneath the power of any, I can drink and not get drunk. I won't be brought under the power of it, so it's lawful for me. I can just dibble and dabble in certain drugs, and that's okay. I can talk like this as long as it's not affecting my witness. Have you ever thought about what a good witness was? Because when we say and talk about a Christian's witness, the witness of a Christian, what, what are we actually meaning? Because before we can actually compare a witness, we got to know what we are witnessing. And when we are to be a witness of Christ and a disciple of Christ, and we are to become like Christ, our witness should be like Him. But what was He really like? We read throughout the Gospels about the person of Christ. We read and we study His life and His ministry. We read and we get an idea of who He was and what He did and what He accomplished for me and you. And when we begin to put all these things together and we begin to talk about the fullness of the Godhead bodily, we're talking about God and Him sending His Son down to this earth to die for me and you. And then sending the Holy Spirit, we got the triune Godhead to leave here and be our earthly mediator while Jesus is our heavenly mediator sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. We got the fullness. We got everything that God provided for us to put us back in the right relationship with Him. But are we truly taking the fullness of the Godhead bodily and using it to transform us into what Christ wants us to be? Are we truly being transformed to be holy, to be righteous, to be that Christian that the world thinks you should be? Can I tell you, you're never going to be the Christian the world thinks you need to be? Because you mess up in one action, one word, one deed, they're automatically going to say, well, and he's a Christian, and she's a Christian. Like we are not to mess up. We're going to mess up. But what makes this different is we know where to go when we do mess up. But how do we deal with the mess up? How do we deal with the witness and it being affected? And what did God bring to the table to help us along our journey? I mean, grace has been... Talked about a lot today because His grace is sufficient in our time of need. Every time we find ourselves in a certain predicament, His grace is sufficient. And if He really is, we're talking about the fullness of the Godhead bodily, is there anything He left out? There's nothing. So why is there such a big gap from point A to point B within the church? Why is there such a difference of opinion? And I know there's a million different things we could say about different denominations and different beliefs. But in reality, whether you're all the way over here, all the way over there, what should be the common focus? Christ. So, when we're talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, and he's saying, 
All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will be not brought under the power of any. Paul is really putting into balance our justified state. You know, guys, will you all help me real quick? That way they get a visual. All three of you, can I get you just for a second? If you'll stand here, Troy. Pastor, you can be Christ right here in the middle. Right here. All right. If we can see this, maybe I can make it make more sense. But over here, we have the grace movement. We've got the side of the spectrum that believes that they are justified, and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're justified. They're under grace. And just because they drink a little bit, just because they gamble a little bit, just because they have they gossip, backbiting, um, glutton, being Thanksgiving, I'll throw glutton in there. We can do all that because we're not under law. We're covered by grace. We're justified. Why is not all the way wrong, and there's a lot of truth to this preaching and teaching, it's not right. And then we come all the way over here. This is the sect that says holiness. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was. Now I don't struggle with sins no more. I dress a certain way. I talk a certain way. My wife dresses a certain way. We have it all together. And as long as I don't see an outward sin of yours and you don't see one out of mine, we're going to continue to play and act like we are holy and sinless and perfect. And then all the way from here to here and from here to here, we have different sects and different individuals that will say that they are closer to Christ because of their denomination. Since I'm in this denomination, I'm right here in the middle. No, actually, if you're believing that you're in a certain denomination and that saves you, you're probably not even justified with the rest of us. But if your faith is within Jesus and what he's done and you still believe that you are okay the way you are, you're over here on the grace side. So Paul in 1 Corinthians is beginning to balance all this out because 1 Corinthians, they was a church or right there in a city where the temple of Aphrodite was. They was able to go into a temple and fulfill any lust that they had. And these people that was in church, sat under Paul for 18 some odd months, would go in here and they would do that and they would say, I'm under grace. I'm not under law. They got sucked in to this side. And Paul here begins to preach and to teach. Because truthfully within the church, if we're honest with ourselves, even within a church body, there's people that will span from one side of the spectrum to the other. There's people that truly leave, that act like the world and come back Sunday. There's people that will leave here and act holy and maybe not this church, but other churches. And we got different spectrums. All saved, all justified. 
But the question tonight is, if all things are lawful, but we are to be holy, all things are lawful, we are to be holy, how do we get from that side or that side to right here? Because is this not where we want to be? Standing right by Christ? Because if we are growing into Christ's likeness, if we are growing more and more like Him day by day, should we not be moving ever so slowly, whichever side of the spectrum we're on? Do you know the churches, if we would put denomination to the side and begin to look towards Jesus and what He's done, we would see denominations inching closer and closer like this. Amen. We would see people growing closer and closer and having a closer walk with Christ. Amen. We wouldn't be seeing the mass exodus out of the church because we're condemning actions of sin. Do you know in Romans chapter 6, sin is mentioned 19 times, but only once it's mentioned as an action of sin? The other times it is all about the sin nature. Because Paul knowed that if he could get you to believe right, he could get you to do right. Because by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can go from all about grace to all about Jesus. He could get you to go all about holiness to true holiness. Thank you, guys. So... Paul talked about Romans 6. He's laying out the sin nature, how we had the nature to sin, how we was no longer ruled and reigned by the sin nature. But then he gets to chapter 6, verse 15. Shall we sin? Continue in sin? God forbid. We should never live in sin just because we're under grace, even though grace superabounds above the sin nature. It superabounds above sin. You are justified just as you had never sinned. If you are in Him, and we preach this and we believe this, that you're in Him and you mess up, that don't mean you are getting kicked out. Do you know there is nothing more scary than a Christian that don't understand justification? Because every time they mess up, every time they believe that they sinned against God, they wonder if they're even saved. Let me tell you tonight, let me settle this once and for all. If you have given your heart and your life to the Lord and you believe in Him, if your faith is in Him and what He has done, then you are still convicted, chastised. You are in a place that you know that you know that you know that you are in Christ. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Because as long as you believe, as long as you have faith, you are in Him. You got a struggle you can't defeat? Go to Jesus. You got something that you can't get over? Go to Jesus. You got something that continues to hinder you and the devil says, well, you're just not saved yet? Now go to Jesus. Because there is nothing that justification does not cover. But to bring into a balance, there is nothing... That should be left alone. You see, the holiness people, they want to ignore it. And I'll talk about some of my Baptists, once saved, always saved, friends. Because they they know grace and they teach grace, but they don't teach holiness. What could we learn if we took a little bit from each and brought it back and made Jesus and what He did upon the cross our center focus? Because... When we do find ourselves 
in a situation we cannot get ourselves out of. God's already made a way. When we are in the world and we mess up and you think you just blew your witness, let them see you repent. Do you know some churches that are more towards the grace side whenever you commit one of the big sins that people can see? They're not going to teach you how to draw closer to Christ. They're going to get you to come up, stand behind the pulpit, and tell the congregation what you did. You're going to confess your sin to your brethren. I'm sorry, I love every one of you, but I'm not going to confess all my sins to you. Sorry, not happening. I will confess them to my father. He already knows. I'm going to tell him now. I'm going to bring this into balance too. Now, if I sin directly to one of you, I will confess my sin to you. I will ask for your forgiveness after I ask for forgiveness from the Father. I'm going to go to Jesus and say, will you forgive me? And will you work and help me make it right with this individual? And I'm going to go to the person that I sinned against and I'm going to apologize and try to make this right. Because that's how I'm going to confess. I'm not going to open everything. And I, even if I tried, I couldn't. Because there's th- can I tell you sometimes you sin without even knowing you sin? Because God, not, the Holy Spirit's not even ready to show that part of yourself to you. Because you're not ready. Do you know I have before been in situations where I didn't even know I was doing something wrong until the convicting power of the Holy Spirit come in. What did we do? Well, early on in my Christian walk, I didn't really know what to do. Because, again, I wasn't raised up in church, but I've heard each side of the story. So do I just act holy and go on, or do I live under grace? Whenever you come into the into Jesus at a late age, you hear what people think Jesus is, but you don't really know who he is and what he's done. So I've sinned, and I didn't know what to do. I confess, And then I come on to the message and learned I could confess what was wrong or what I did to God. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I know what you've done on the cross is sufficient to change me and the helping and the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit, your grace is truly sufficient to change this desire and this in me and move me closer and closer to Christ. Do you know whenever Paul puts all this into balance, he never, he never, very seldom will he call out a specific sin for a specific person. If you'll read and study throughout his writing, he talks about the sin nature and how to be holy. And he addresses sin as a whole. He will continue to tell you that adulterers and murderers and all these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. He will say all this because the mindset of the church within the epistle he was writing had already went so far under grace that they didn't know how to deal with it. But... Out of all them sins that he lists, there's not a one person within the church that has not missed at least one of them. 
He's not talking about someone in a justified state. But if you continually, habitually continue in said sin without any remorse, without any wanting help from the Holy Spirit to change this within us, then yes, that's a problem. You might not even be... I mean, there's people that, and I say this, treading lightly, but if you're okay with sin, you might want to step back and really ask God to move into your heart and life because the Holy Spirit, if He lives within inside a person, He's never going to be okay with sin. He's never going to be okay leaving you the way you are. And tonight, I've just really wanted to step back and go back to the foundation and basics of where are we? Because we teach and preach grace and faith. But we're not all the way over here. We don't want you to stay the same way you are right now. But we preach and teach holiness, but we're not all the way over here because I'm not going to tell you how to dress. I'm not going to tell you how to talk. I'm not going to tell you what you should or should not do. I'm going to preach the Word of God and teach you how to have relationship with God and allow the Holy Spirit to move within your life. And He's going to move you from here to here because He loves you and He wants to change you. And we're going to teach you the how-to to allow that to happen because there's too many churches telling you what you're doing wrong but not telling you how to allow God to fix it. And there's so many different opinions... And that's why I wanted to read these two verses in Colossians. Because it said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and feign deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiment of the world, and not after Christ. They're teaching us and showing us their philosophy, they're showing us traditions. They're showing us all these different things of the world. But they're not pointing the Christian to Christ. And then he goes on and says, For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwelleth the fullness. Everything you need to draw closer to Christ is within him. Everything you need to be able to fight the fight of faith is in him. Everything you need to make it to the end, to receive your crown and glory, is he's already paid for to give you. Why are we not taking advantage of it as a church, as a whole? And I'm not talking about faith worship center. I'm talking about the church of Christ. Why are we still so divided? Why is there so many denominations and so many opinions whenever the word of God is clear that we should be making Christ the center of our belief, making Christ and what he's done able to change the hearts and the lives because you find someone that loves God, they're going to tell you Jesus can change you. They just can't tell you how. I sat in a rehab one time and I just sat there and asked, how are you going to be changed? Well, Jesus, how is he going to do it? You could have heard a pin drop. People have been in program after program after program, prison after prison, listening to different people come in and tell them Jesus can do it, but not a one of them know how. 
But all the things that they did save would put them in one of the two groups. They need to read their Bible more and they's under grace or they needed to be baptized a certain way and dress a certain way and they would be holy. But church, as someone, as a select group of people that have been sitting under the message of the cross, the message of Christ and Him crucified, the message of the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus and what He paid for when He gave Himself up on the cross of Calvary, you have an advantage to actually be that person that God wants you to be. But I want to point out one more thing. It's a choice. Did you know it was a choice? Because in 1 Corinthians, we'll go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You see how Paul was writing here? He says, unto me, all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I, he's talking of himself, I will not be brought under the power of any. He has put himself in a position where he has chosen to not be brought under the power of anything that was going to ruin his witness. If it was not beneficial to his walk, if it did not bear witness with the Holy Spirit, he was not going to do it. You can argue about drinking, if you should drink or not drink all day long until you're blue in the face. I don't care. But as long as there's an alcoholic out there losing his life or losing his family, losing, going broke and losing his house, I don't want no part of it because I know it's not of God. You can argue all day long about homosexuality, but if it don't line up with the marriage covenant, I do not care. I will pray for them. I will ask them. I will talk with them. I do not care, but it's not right. You can sit there and talk about gambling all you want, but as long as lives are being ruined and it is ruining people's lives and not drawing them closer to the Lord, then it's not right. When are we going to begin to waste stuff out by the power and by the witness of the Spirit and the Word of God? Oh, we'll talk about adultery. We'll talk about homosexuality. We'll talk about the things that we can see, but we don't hardly ever talk about the gossip and the backbiting, the things that we do behind closed doors that no one knows about. We don't talk about them. Them things we know that is not pleasing to God. See, that's what we think holiness is. As long as we can't see it, we're good. God knows the secret places of your heart. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at. So how can we lie to ourselves and say we're holy when we should be like Paul and say, oh, the wretched man that I am. How can we lie to ourselves and say, I'm under grace, but I can still do anything I want with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit telling us, be ye holy for I am holy. How can we as Christians quit being changed more and more into the image of Christ? How can we be okay with just arguing one with another? 
instead of praying one for another. You know, I don't have to tell you how to dress. I don't have to tell you how to talk. I don't have to tell you that fornication is wrong. I don't have to tell you that backbiting is wrong. I ain't got to tell you that covetousness is wrong. I don't have to. You want, and I'll give you an example. God told the children of Israel 613 things that was wrong. They thought they was good. I can tell you all day long what might be right or might be wrong. But unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, and you ask God, and your faith is in Jesus and what he did on the cross, and you ask him to allow his grace to change that in you, I'm not doing you any good. Because I can sit down there and beat you down all day. I can beat you down and beat you down and beat you down about the things that you are doing wrong. But we're not going to talk about the things I do wrong. We're not going to talk about that. In reality, if we really look at this through God's eyes, we're all on the same level. And truly, when we begin to look at it, whether we're in the grace camp or in the holiness camp, we're still in this together. But if we will look towards Jesus and know what Christ did on the cross was sufficient, He will continue to pull us closer and closer and closer together. But who's telling them? I read time and time again posts on Facebook. I might not read my Bible all the time. I might say bad words. I might do this and I might do that, but I still love God. That's a lie straight from hell. I read where people write, well, it's not in the Bible, but so-and-so said this. Lie straight from hell. If we don't allow God to change us in the prescribed order, if we don't have the prescribed order of victory and living it, that's where our witness is. When we're being changed little by little, moving from this side and this side, being united around Christ, that's where our witness is. That's where we're going to meet up. Because one of these days, we're all going to be gathered around him, throwing our crown at his feet, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Singing the song of the redeemed, the song that the angels cannot even sing. And you're not going to be worrying about bickering back and forth about who was right and who was wrong. Because I can promise God's not as simple-minded as we are. He's gave us prescribed order. He's gave us a road map to be able to bring different beliefs and different ideas into the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. It's not within a denomination. It's not in a tradition. It's not in philosophy. But it's in Christ. Brother Jeff, it's in Christ. And oftentimes I've wondered how can we be so far separated and read the same Bible how can we be so far separated and love the same Jesus have you ever wondered that how can we be so far apart in theology 
reading the same book. Well, one, God's not revealed it to some people, and some people he has. But in other aspects, a lot of times we fail to put Jesus in the center of our lives. We fail to keep him and our faith in him and what he has done and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and to change us. We fail to do this and we fail to actually search out this way that I've talked about the last 30 or 45 minutes on our own. When was the last time we checked up pastor as he, after he got done preaching make sure he wasn't leading us astray? When was the last time you checked me up? When was the last time you studied it out to see if what I'm saying is right? It's way too important. Because the way to be changed is not just coming to church. It's going to Jesus and allowing Him to work on the heart, to work on the hard thing to ask Him to change these things within us. The pride, the patience, the long-suffering, the things that no one knows about but us. That's how we're going to gather around Christ. That's how we're going to get true holiness. That's how we're going to grow as individuals and grow as a church because when people come into a church full of people that know that they're only drawing closer to Christ because of their faith in Jesus and what He's already done and not because they're just so great, they're not going to feel like they don't belong. And I will applaud this church being the most welcoming church I have ever been to. I applaud you for that. But tonight as he begins to sing whatever he feels led, it's a broad altered hall, I know. It's really not going to leave anybody out because we're all in this together. But can we take a moment just to pray? Pray that we will have a true witness of Christ. Pray that God will continue to draw us to Him, not by fancy words, but by His Word. Draw us together because of what He did on the cross. If you're suffering or if you're not have, having a hard time dealing with something, go to Him. Ask Him to change it. True holiness is allowing Him to change you into the image of Christ. It's not what the world wants to make you think. So will you pray? Whatever it may be. Brother Jeff, go ahead. I stood in the courtroom Judge turned my way It looks like you're guilty What do you say? 
by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family. <laughs>